Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Let's go Braves and let's go Brandon. Hey, can I get a little bit more of my headphones? Thank you, sir. My ears are still plugged up. I'm back. I am back. I caught the COVID in Outer Banks. It was awful. I'm not going to lie. Felt like I got hit by a train and every passenger got out of the train to kick me while I was down. It was by far the worst illness I ever had short of post-surgery once when I had this anesthesiologist. He gave me too much gas and it messed me up good. So the good news is that I don't need a vaccine at this point, even though I wish I had gotten the vaccine at times while I was sick. But then again, my mother, father, and sister all had the vaccine and still got sick like I did as well. I think there's a lesson there for all of us. But now that my, that my system has assimilated this thing, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Sure, I may certainly be sick again many more times in my life, and it may even be a mutated version of COVID. But now I feel very confident that I will certainly survive. Not that I was scared, mind you, but considering that I'm a heavy smoker and heavy weight-wise, I felt like I had a chance at being taken out by this thing. But now I feel immortal, and my concern about COVID has been set to zero because all of my family survived it. Now my only worries about it are all, the, all, all associated with how irrational and stupid governments and businesses that may try to intrude upon my life because of their idiotic bureaucratic policies. Anyway, I'm back, I'm bearded, and I survived COVID. And if you came to my house this Halloween, now you got it too. Anyway, this is uh, Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the bad man and I'm back. And I want to remind you to go over to my Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Three bucks a month. It's really not that much to ask. One beer a month buys me one beer a month. You know? Buy, you know, give up one beer and give it to me, basically. Because let's be honest. That's what I'm going to do with the money. I would appreciate that. Also, for those of you complaining about the, the audio podcast not getting out in time, hey, you're getting a free podcast. All right? And by now, you should know I want you watching on YouTube and Patreon anyway. All right? Also, it's my fault. Don't listen to EK. It's not his fault. I'm lazy. I, I mean, I have every, I had COVID. I, had, I felt like I had every right to be, be lazy the last two weeks. All right? But it's not like I didn't, you know, keep myself from writing. But, uh, yeah, go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. You can uh, become a patron there. Or if you just want to send me a one-time payment through the Cash App, I have a cash tag, shockmonkeyradio. Send me some money there. Maybe I'll buy some Bitcoin. And uh, <laughs> one EMP, and it's all gone, my friends. Anyway, so, yeah, let's get on with the show. Speaking of Halloween, I hope you had a pleasant celebration on that holiday. I hope you didn't make yourself too sick on candy, like I almost did. Uh, but I think that had more to do with the vodka. Anyway, I got some things to say about Halloween. First of all, coconut has no business in candy. I know some of you like coconut in your candy, but some people like pe pineapple on pizza, and some people are clearly idiots. Coconut is not candy. It is a survival food provided by God to keep shipwrecked sailors motivating to getting off a deserted island. 
So Mounds, Almond Joy, stop. Knock it off. Coconut is not candy. Sorry for ranting, but I don't think this point can could not be made enough. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, Trick-or-treating is weird, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like legal extortion. Hey, oh, this is a nice little haunted house you got here. Ha haunted Halloween house you got here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Hey. Why do we tolerate this? Just because it's children doesn't make it not extortion. Sure, sure. You could say that it don't give uh, that if you don't give them treats, there is no guarantee that they, that you will get a trick. And tricks obviously include things like smashing pumpkins or toilet, you know, or toilet papering the house or flaming bags of poo, that kind of thing. But it's still extortion. Trick or treat? How about shot or stabbed? You got to pick one. Hell no. Neither. I'm not playing your weird game, Two-Face. Anyway, you know I always wanted uh, I always wanted to do a couple things for handing out candy on Halloween that I never got to do yet. Anyway, I always wanted to have a friend and I dress up as God and the devil, and they're playing chess. And every time someone walks up, God makes a move and says, checkmate. And the devil says, oh, darn it, or you darn it. <laughs> or something like that, and gives the kids, it has to give the kids the candy. Eh, maybe that's dumb, but maybe not as dumb as my other idea of two baseball fans watching and commenting upon the World Series as people come up to beg for candy. Then you have a friend hiding in the bushes who periodically throws a baseball to you like you're catching a foul ball. It's probably dumb. Uh, you know, saying it loud, you know, saying it out loud makes it sound dumb. It was funny in my head, I guess. Uh, I have one more thing to say about Halloween, and it's something I saw on trick-or-treaters, uh, which was kids running around collecting candy in their school backpacks. Now, I love that. I mean, you just skip a step. Absolutely. I remember being a kid and uh, taking all those mounds and almond joys to school to trade with my friends. Did you ever do that? Uh, you know, I joke about mounds and almond joy, but everyone has their preferences, and trading candy has always been one of those coolest aspects in post-Halloween school days. You can trade info, too. Which house was giving out the full-size candy bars? You know, for next year. That kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, I saw those kids with the backpacks, and it took me back to my halcyon days of my youth. So, who doesn't love Halloween? Anyway, I hope you had a pleasant and enjoyable Devil's Night. Yes, there's alcohol in this. So uh, I don't know if you know about this about Superman, but uh, there's a couple things. Like Superman is now bisexual, apparently, in the comic books. And they're changing truth, justice in the American way to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Now, superhero comics are uniquely American. And Superman is the first of said superheroes. When Superman came onto the scene, America was in the darkest days of the Great Depression and on the cusp of a world war that defined the 20th century. The young men who volunteered to go fight after Pearl Harbor probably formed their moral stances while reading action comics. Truth, justice, in the American way is not solely the domain of Americans. All people of all nations of the world can strive towards that ideal. As we all know, America was far from realizing the full scope of human freedom and civil rights as it was laid out by Thomas Jefferson in our nation's founding documents. 
Jefferson saw a future end to America's sins even from over a century away. And in the 30s and 40s, America obviously still needed to strive for truth and justice, which is, was, the American way. Because the American way is better than the Canadian way. It's better than the Russian way. It's better than the European way, etc. In fact, striving for those American ideals is a never-ending battle that even Superman and Batman can agree on. For, quote, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Speaking of which, Superman in particular has been compared to the story of Moses and perhaps, perhaps even Jesus. But the phrase truth, justice, and the Judeo-Christian way just doesn't have the same ring to it. But this great nation of ours was designed and built by white Christian men following the inspiration of the first superhero, Jesus. Which in turn led to future generations of Americans to continue to strive for truth, justice, and the American way. However, the idea that white Christian men setting the stage for the best of all possible governments is so infuriating to some people that they want to erase it from history, like a Stalin-era photograph. The preference of globalism over nationalism in the modern dialogue is designed to undermine all the great things that have come out of the United States of America. We're not allowed to claim Superman anymore because he belongs to the world? Kal-El was raised in America by Americans, and everyone who has read Red Sun should know how relevant that is to the mythos. Globalism doesn't work. Just look at the European Union. In my mind, Superman will always represent truth, justice, and the American way. And when someone changes American way to a better tomorrow, it suggests that the American way is not interested in a better tomorrow. And that is why this change undermines the greatness of the American enterprise. But Soups is a fictional character, <coughs> and he doesn't say anything that some writer didn't put in his mouth. And as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> and as far as I can tell, Superman is not public domain yet. So the DC cr uh, creators have every right to do what they want with their intellectual property. I couldn't care less about Superman's sexuality. However, I am an adult, but comic books are still marketed towards children, and I find that selling sexualized literature to minors to be morally repugnant and the sole domain of pedophiles. When someone puts up a statue of Superman or Thomas Jefferson, it's not about the character of that person. It's what that person means as a symbol to the viewer which is often private and subjective to each individual. Besides, it's Superman's son who is bisexual, not Kal-El. And it, it, it's kind of like when Ro Robin was killed and everyone was like, oh no, Dick Grayson is so cool. But actually it was Jason Todd that was killed. And so, it, you know, everyone wanted to kill him. In fact, I was shocked there was only one suspect in his death. And speaking of Robins, Tim Drake also recently came out as bi. But that will never taint the joy and love I had for those original Chuck Dixon stories I loved when I was younger. I always thought that uh, Navy officer ranks were always cooler than Army and Marine Corps officer ranks. Uh, Ensign always makes me think of uh, Star Trek. You know, it's better than Second Lieutenant, if you ask me.
And even though captain sounds better than lieutenant, you know, but a Navy captain is leaps and bounds above an Army and a Marine Corps captain. Major has always seemed silly to me. Major asshole. Major first class Philip asshole. Lieutenant commander is way cooler for an 04 if you ask me. Now, commander is my favorite Navy rank. Commander Skywalker, do you copy? This is Rogue 2. This is Rogue 2. 05 in the Army is Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, and it sounds like a bowel disease and Colonel sounds like, and Colonel sounds like it's fatal. <laughs> and you're in the final stages of it. Admirals and generals are a different story. Brigadier general is better than rear admiral lower half. Because in the Navy, it sounds like you get the butthole while the rear admiral upper half gets the mouth when it comes to raping the enlisted sailors. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of officers. Yeah, I am. Anyway. But, you know, I, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, not only did that task seem daunting as a kid because, you know, you start thinking about the way you have to live your life, the way you have to, uh, what you have to do, you know. You got to go to college. I got to go to college. I got to become an officer in the military. You don't want to be the dumb scientist. No, no offense to the scientist officer, uh, astronauts or anything, but you don't want to be that. Uh, I don't want. I didn't want to be a scientist. I wanted to be a shuttle commander or a, uh, uh, a pilot or something like that. I mean, because you know, flying in space, it's it's got to be real easy. Not a whole lot you can run into. <laughs> if you, I mean, really, it's more like you got to worry more about stuff running into you. Anyway, so I wanted to be an astronaut. And so, you know, as time went on, growing up as a kid, I started to realize, you know, I had to get glasses. Can't be a pilot. Can't be a pilot if you're wearing glasses. You know, and that's just one of those dream killers you grow up with. <clears throat> you know, and you, so you grow up, you grow up and you, I want to be, uh, I want to be an astronaut. But no, I, I mean, my bad eyesight, yeah, I'm overweight. <laughs> uh, even in the Navy, I was overweight. And so, uh, and you, you know, I had to, I had to enlist. I didn't go to college because who can afford it? Holy cow! <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, I went to, uh, I enlisted, and you know, it would have taken years for me to be an officer. And uh, even then, even then, I couldn't have been a pilot. Probably could never have been an astronaut in that career path. So instead, I'd have to get involved in some sort of scientist career. It's like, oh, you get to be one of those scientist astronauts that nobody remembers. <laughs> Anyway, so you, you grow a little bitter and a little bitter and cynical about that kind of thing. And so, you know, some days you just wake up and want to make fun of officer ranks because they're silly. Rear admiral, upper half. <laughs> you know, they just call those people admirals, right? Yeah, they just say admiral. They don't say rear admiral, upper half. Yeah, the, uh, the, the vice admiral might make fun of him because <laughs> he's like, he's no longer the freshman. <laughs> Or the sophomore, he's like the junior. He's like the junior in high school. So he get, he's going to make, he's going to say rear admiral upper half, rear admiral lower half. All right. Yeah, one more thing before we get into the news worth knowing. And I was, I was thinking while I was very, very sick, I was in a fever dream or something like that. Uh, how horrible was music around the time that Mary Had a Little Lamb was top of the charts? You know what I mean? And so I, I did a little research into this about Mary Had a Little Lamb. And, you know, everyone knows this tune. I should hope. I, I think everyone knows this tune. 
Mary had a little lamb. You know the one. Uh, anyway, so I did a little research into Mary had a little lamb. And so anyway, this it was based upon a poem that was written, uh, that was, uh, I guess, published. Uh, it was by this publishing firm, Marsh, Capon, and Lyon. It was written by Sarah Josepha Hale. And that was, uh, I guess, published on May 24th, 1830. And I don't know if you know this, but they didn't have the Billboard Hot 100 in 1830. And so when it comes to all the, these like popular tunes from all these like 1830s and so forth, because they didn't have Billboard and they didn't even have recordings, I think when in, in 1830, I think they were still 50 years away from having recorded audio, recorded music. And of course, the first thing people start recording is music, you know. The guy who invented the uh, recording was Edison, I think. The guy who invented audio recording, the first thing he didn't record it, I'm certain, had to have been music. It probably wasn't some dude talking to himself. Testing, testing, one, two. Ooh, the first recording ever. It's like if you're going to record something, you want to record something awesome like music. Anyway. But the popular stuff back in the 1830s, it wasn't, you know, uh, was uh, the most downloaded song on iTunes or anything like that. It wasn't even the most popular record that was being bought, you know. It was sheet music. And so what's interesting is that these publishing companies, they, they hold the rights to these songs because they weren't really recorded. They were just sheet music that people bought. And so at one point in time, Mary Had a Little Lamb was like the number one bought sheet music in the country. So it officially makes it the most popular song because people were, because uh, when you heard music back in the 1830s and, you know, up to the 1870s, it was most frequently it, or had to be live every single time. And so you had your local uh, person from church, your organist, your pianist from church. That's where you heard music, probably at church every week. You know, sometimes you'd have a little shindig in town and they got some guy playing a fiddle, <laughs> some guy with a jug, <laughs> you know, and that's how people heard music. You know, and some, and some people could say that, you know, uh, you know, that uh, you can long for those times. It's like live music really is an, an experience and it's something that we all had at one time, but live music is, is still something to be experienced even to this day. But there was a time when Mary had a little lamb <laughs> was the most popular song in America. Now what's funny is I was, I was kind of curious, like what other songs are popular around the, around the same time. And so it was like, when it comes to like Mary had a little lamb, let me, let me tell you about uh, other uh, popular sheet music in the 1830s. All right. All right. Uh, here, here's a title. I, I know a bank where the wild time grows. Blows. Wild time blows. Excuse me. Uh, there's a song called Jim Crow. Uh, there's a song called My Heart and the Lute. And there was the Pilgrim Father. Some of you may know, may know it as the Landing of the Pilgrims or the Breaking Waves Dashed High. You know, that was also a big popular song in 1830. Obviously, America, you know, uh, my country, tis of thee. That was big in 1832. Anyway, the bloom is on the rise. <laughs> bloom is on the rise. Also known as my pretty Jane. Uh, my faith looks up to thee. Rock of ages. Rock of ages was big in 32, 1832. <laughs> and so I think it's, I think it's funny when you, cause, uh, music is so fleeting now. Everyone's dropping tracks, millions, millions of people dropping tracks every day. And, you know, uh, and 
in the 1830s, all you had to do was tell a little to story about a lamb following a girl to school. <laughs> and I think that's a, a little bit hilarious because just the way that how the, because after all, it's 1830s, the printing press was very new and a lot of people were printing sheet music. Imagine the typeset you had to use for printing printing sheet music back in the day. That must have been tedious, as uh, if, especially if you didn't know music. Yeah, if you didn't know music. Anyway, I bet, yeah, I bet, I bet they had special music tile sets and stuff like that. Man, it must have been horrible <laughs> back in those days. I mean, but, you know, you, you give and take a little. You give and take a little. We have all this music at our fingertips. You know, we can, you know, it's all that Radio Gaga stuff. You know, it's just some background noise to all of us these days. But at one time, at one time, it was you had to buy the sheet music, take it to your church, and, you know, in between services or something, you practice Mary Had a Little Lamb because the preacher didn't want you playing that devil music in the church <laughs> to bat a lamb. He's like, but, you know, like the Lamb of God. You know, that's that was the excuse they made to the preachers. It's like it's a metaphor for the Lamb of God. <laughs> when I, I like reading all those titles of those hits from the 1830s, and because it's it, it it reminds it's a different it was a different time. It was a different time in America where um it was pastoral. Obviously, we hadn't been through you know Pearl Harbor. We haven't been through the First World War. We hadn't developed the cynicism to make things like jazz and blues and rock and roll. You know, they didn't have the, yeah, I mean, think about, think about all that music that America started, all the badass types of music that we started after the era of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Because for hundreds of years, Americans were like, this is awful. <laughs> This is children's music. <laughs> anyway, because that's where it's, it's, you know, that's what it's been resigned to now. Mary Had a Little Lamb is not something, you know, a deep cut on a radio show. You know what I'm saying? No, it's for kids. I search, I, you know, searching into Google, type Mary Had a Little Lamb. I get a bunch of kids stuff popping up. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm an adult. <laughs> Where's the adult tab? Anyway. Let's go ahead and get to the news worth knowing. You know, Shapiro at the middle of his show, he goes, this is the uh, fastest, 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 fa fastest growing podcast and radio show in the, in the nation. Fastest yeah. Growing conservative yeah. Fast, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. I, I was thinking maybe I should say like, all right, after let's get into the news worth knowing. And then welcome to shock monkey. This is shock monkey radio, the slowest growing podcast in the nation. Get in the studio. Get in Studio B. Speaking of which, go to fxdgpublicradio.com. If you're in the Fredericksburg area or nearbys, you can rent some studio time. Do your own podcast. Do, do your, booking. Yeah, booking. Booking. The booking tab, right? Or button or whatever. And if right. you don't see what you want, call us. You should turn on your mic sometimes. It should, it should pick me up. I have the condenser on. Oh, you have the condenser on too? Yeah, so when I, when I yell, it should pick me up. We're also... I believe I found faint. I sound faint, but I'm definitely there. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, we also got a new camera coming, too. FXBG Public Radio. Check it out. Anyway, it's getting to the news. Worth knowing. <laughs> I did it twice. 
Uh, hopefully you went to the polls. Hopefully you voted for Glenn Youngkin. But our, as you know, it's election day here in Virginia. And so our first article is McAuliffe says Trump's name 13 times in a 15-minute speech after saying governor's race isn't about Trump. <laughs> anyway, a day after claiming the race was, quote, not about Donald Trump, Virginia gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe evoked the former president again in a string of election Eve tweets that it couldn't appear and it couldn't appear to stop talking about them at a rally in Fairfax. <clears throat> Excuse me. McAuliffe often brought up the former President Trump on the campaign trail. Oh, it says former President Trump. So okay, we're all on the same page. <laughs> Guess <laughs> on the campaign trail, uh, in the in the press for months when talking about Republican opponent Glenn Youngkin's agenda. CNN's Dana Bash even joked that she would take a uh that she would take a swig of her nearby drink every time McCullough said Trump's name during the interview <laughs> earlier this month. <laughs> anyway, and so McAuliffe surprised reporters in Virginia Beach Saturday when he told a group of supporters that the race was not about Trump. It was a significant shift in tone, <laughs> media observed. <laughs> when even your own you know, in 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 your pocket, news organizations are getting sarcastic with you like that. Man, I don't think you're gonna win, bro. <laughs> anyway, the tide appeared to turn back on Monday as McAuliffe retreated his, to his initial strategy of trying of tying his opponent to 45. "Quote today, Trump said that he and Glenn get along very well together and believe in many of the same policies." and believe in many of the same policies, McAuliffe tweeted. We have rejected the racism, the hate, the division, and the lies of Donald Trump twice. And tomorrow, we will do it again. McAuliffe's account retweeted the same message, Stop Trumpkin. <laughs> what a dork. The Democrat himself referred to his opponent as Glenn Trumpkin. Ugh, at a Monday rally and declared he was against Donald Trump in khakis. That's kind of clever. Uh, in McCullough's final election eve pitch, a New York Times reporter counted him uttering Trump's name 13 times in a 15-minute speech. Why? <laughs> I guess because he's been doing it. There's like nothing else to do. I've heard all this nonsense before. Anyway, the Democrat also predicted that Youngkin would be the uh, catalyst of a, 20, of a Trump 2024 announcement. <sighs> I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I, we get to it. <laughs> Uh, in his earlier, uh, as his earlier tweet indicated, McAuliffe has no plans on uh, to backtrack on racist accusations against Youngkin, despite being proven false by fact checkers. More than once, McAuliffe has told the press Youngkin wants to ban, uh, wants to quote ban a book by Black author Toni Morrison and uh, called Beloved, when in reality the Republicans sided with parents who want to be notified if and when their children are side assigned to read the graphic material about the horrors of slavery. Virginia voters head to the polls uh, Tuesday as Yunkin tries to become the first Republican to win statewide there since 2009. So, uh, yeah, this is the biggest thing in Virginia right now. If you're outside of the state, you know, we got, it's election day. Uh, hopefully if you're in Virginia, you're in this race because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Terry McCullough, McCullough, it's uh, he he damned himself when he went in that debate and said, you know, I don't think parents should have any say in what we're teaching your kids. 
And I was like, dude, that is, I, I, I think that everybody on both sides of the aisle agrees that, you know, that's not, you, you know, we don't work for you. You work for us, you know, and that's what's been going on in <clears throat> school boards in Virginia lately. You know, and that's why education is like the number one issue in the election here in Virginia. Because people, people are saying is like, you are our elected representatives. You know, the education system, public education system is for the public. And, you know, we are in charge of you. You're not in charge of like, because, because you think uh, critical race theory is cool. Doesn't mean we have to, we all think it is too. You know, we know about you elitist limousine liberals. It's like, it's like Colin Kaepernick. I'm so sick and tired of freaking millionaires saying how bad they got it. You know what I'm saying? EK's just like, yeah, right. I'm sick and tired of America of millionaires trying to tell me how awful the world is. It's not awful for you. <laughs> if Colin Kaepernick gave me $5,000 a month, $5,000 a month on my Patreon, it would change my entire life. It would change FXBG public radio. 5K. And you're out there saying, oh, like, oh, the NFL combine is slavery. Go blow it out your millionaire ass. Anyway, <laughs> McCullough is that kind of limousine liberal. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about Florida, man. <laughs> There's a spin on this one, though. This is like a curveball. Florida man faces daily fines for a massive Let's Go Brandon sign and pro-Chump sign. Quote, that's free speech. Uh, a Florida homeowner is facing fines after hanging massive political banners supporting former President uh, Trump from his home, including one reading, Let's Go Brandon. They're already printing those up. <laughs> I know all the conservative people are putting out Let's Go Brandon t-shirts. <laughs> They're bandwagoning on that like everyone else. Anyway. Capitalism. Anyway, uh, I'm, quote, I'm here on the beach. I got a lot of traffic and people needed to see what I believe in. Homeowner Marvin Peavy of Seagrove Beach told WMBB, quote, that's free speech. And I wanted everyone to know that I'm Republican and I'm supporting Donald Trump. Uh, the flags were almost three stories tall and have red backgrounds with white lettering. One reads Trump won and other says, let's go, Brandon. And I'm looking at the picture now, I, I guess it's. I guess it's an apartment complex. I can I can see while other people. Anyway, my, my opinion might have changed on this. Anyway, a South Walton Community Code enforcement hear, uh, hearing was held last month and found that Trump One banner violates the county's uh, land development code. Code. Walton County Code Compliance Official Michael Lynch told WMBB the land use code pre uh, preserves the visual aesthetics of the beach community along Florida's Panhandle. PV is being fined $50 a day, which he said violates his right to free speech. Quote, people admire the st uh, that stand-up, and we've got to start standing up. People admire people that stand up. Okay. And we have to start standing up. Bill Fletcher, the chairman of Walton County Republican Executive Committee, said of Peavy, quote, he is the epitome of, someone, of somebody who will stand up for his First Amendment right. 
supporters of Peavy, also came out to his home on Sunday and expressed shock over the daily fines. Quote, I had attended the code enforcement meeting uh, when this was brought up, and I was quite shocked that they, uh, when they said they were going to fine him $50 a day for a banner that's on his private property. Supporter Tabitha Howard told WMBB. PV said he had no intention to remove the banners and that people across the county have pledged to have pledged to help pay for the fines. <laughs> That's awesome. He added to the outlet that one woman in Louisiana even offered to pay for the fines for the next two years. Anyway, PV first hoisted the Trump 2020 flag on his home last year during the election cycle, but removed it after inauguration day. That banner did not violate any codes because it was up during an election year. So I guess he's a fair player. Anyway, uh, he then hung up the Trump One banner in May, which followed, uh, which was followed by the Let's Go Brandon ba banner on Saturday. Let's Go Brandon, more for, you, you know about Let's Go Brandon. Earlier this year, commonly chanted sport events, concerts, and other venues. Um, another hearing over the uh, banners is scheduled for November 17th. PV's fines will be due if the code compliance magistrate finds him in violation again. <coughs> So I'm, I'm looking at this picture, and if if all of that is his private house, I guess it's, I think it should be fine and legal for him to do. But I can't tell if that's like, if it's an apartment complex. Anyway, because if it's an apartment complex and other people live there, that his banner shouldn't be coming down the stairwell. You know, I think you're taking up too much space. And I think that, you know, if you live in that apartment complex, but I mean, if it's a private house. What's the problem? I don't think he should be fined. And I'm glad people are helping him out. <laughs> anyway. Let's go on to this next story. A lot of pop-ups on Fox News. Anyway. That's where I get my stuff from, by the way. My news. Uh, CNN analyst compares Let's Go Brandon to rhetoric from ISIS, Nazis, and the KKK. You know, it's my opinion that it's like the first person who brings Hitler or the Nazis loses an argument. All right. And the left has been losing arguments for a long time now. Anyway, liberal CNN political analyst Joe Lockhart uh, managed to compare the anti-Biden rallying cry, let's go branded to coded rhetoric from Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan and ISIS in one tweet as the corporate media continued its meltdown over the chant. Uh, it's it's funny because it's like how can you get mad at Fox because the the line corporate media continued its meltdown is a link to obviously an opinion article because <laughs> that is opinion anyway Lockhart a former Clinton press secretary tweeted Monday you know who also had coded statements like Brandon ISIS the Klan Nazis beginning to get the point. Ugh pretentious bastard anyway the phrase became an internet sensation last month after an nbc reporter at a nascar uh, xfinity series race incorrectly reported that fans who were in the stands were chanting let's go brandon following a victory by driver brandon brown when they are really shouting f joe biden quote let's go brandon was quickly adopted by the president's critics as a subtle pg way to mock biden the f joe biden chants which began at some large events across the country as the president's poll numbers declined, have, have now been replaced in some venues with Let's Go Branded chants. <laughs> anyway, however, liberal journalists and pundits <clears throat> have become outraged at the rallying cry. 
Yeah, it's really kind of sudden, isn't it? <laughs> it didn't get us all bent out of shape for the F. Joe Biden chance. Anyway, Lockhart isn't the only one with the overtop comparison, as the chant has also been labeled vulgar, trollish, and not patriotic. And a Southwest pilot who may have uttered the phrase was compared to an, uh, uh, to an ISIS sympathizer. I wouldn't have put it like that. If you, fo- if you followed up that story about the, the pilot Southwest who apparently said, let's go Brandon over the PA. I, I wouldn't put it that way. Anyway, Lockhart's tweet was quickly hit with the backlash. Quote, I hope a family member is checking in on you. GOP communication specialist <laughs> Matt Whitlock responded. Man. <laughs> People get cold-blooded on Twitter, don't they? Anyway. In 2020, the Donald Trump campaign called on CNN to fire Lockhart after the network analysts speculated on Twitter whether or not Trump suffered from stroke that had and had he had hidden it from public. Quote, <laughs> CNN should fire Joe Lockhart, a lifetime failure who thought it was a great idea for a fellow loser, Michael Dukakis, to put on that stupid helmet for <laughs> knowingly pushing a conspiracy theory about President Trump's health. Health, the campaign said. If another CNN employee said similar things about Barack Obama, they'd be fired immediately. So the same standard should be applied here. <laughs> uh, Lockhart, an outspoken Democrat, also raised eyebrows for attacking former Covington Catholic High School student Nick Sandman after his network settled a, a $250 million defamation lawsuit from him last year. Yeah, that kid's probably living on the easy street right now. Uh, quote, I'm watching tonight because it's important, but I don't have to watch this snot nosed ki- entitled kid from Kentucky. Lockhart tweeted during the Republican national convention. <laughs> he said, he said that Trump had a stroke and they hit it. It's kind of like Biden pooping at the Vatican. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's like I said, you know, like the first person who mentions Nazis or, uh, uh, Hitler. Yeah, they lost. They clearly lost the argument because that's that's always a go-to move of people who are out of arguments. All right, you know it. it, it uh, bef- before, let's go, Brandon. People were talking about like all the people chanting "F Joe Biden" at stadiums and stuff like that until that NASCAR race at Tal- Talladega, and that happened, and then all of a sudden they got a G version. A G-rated version of it. And it wasn't, you know, it, it was organic. It appeared naturally, apparently, you know. And so, absolutely, it was hijacked. And then, after that, after Let's Go Brandon really took out, gained some traction, that now, now, they're all saying, all these liberals are saying, oh, it's like, it's, it's, it's vulgar. It means the F word, you know. It's like, but you're all cheering at Robert De Niro at the Oscars. You're all happy Madonna's talking about wanting to blow up the White House. And Johnny Depp gets up there today. When was the last time an actor uh, shot a president? Go buy some scarves, Johnny Depp. Anyway, I just, I think it's interesting how mad they are now. Because it's November 2nd. Today is November 2nd. It's election day. And it looks like, I don't know, I'm keeping up with the polls right now. I'll check it out later. But, I mean, it's, I think that Glenn Youngkin's going to win here in Virginia. You know, and there are other elections. It's just right now, nationally speaking, to uh, this, this election in Virginia is kind of the biggest one in the country. 
because it matters. It matters that that Virginia is uh, may become a purple state again. <laughs> it's been blue for since two thousand nine, as they were saying. All right. Uh, I don't want to kick an old man, old doddering man, too much. So I mean, White House rolls out strategy to reduce military and veteran suicide, calling it a national security crisis. Okay, the White House on Tuesday announced a new comprehensive strategy to address and reduce military and veteran suicide in the United States, billing the issue as a public health and national security crisis. Uh, a new strategy focuses on a number of key components, including improving lethal means safety, improving lethal means safety, in order to identify, to ensure time and space between a person in crisis and their access to lethal means, including firearms and medication. <sighs> I mean, it's putting people in prison, you know. Enhancing crisis care. Increasing access to and delivery of effective care. Addressing the upstream risk and protective factors like preventing and addressing increased financial strain, lack of housing, food insecurity, and unemployment. And increasing research co coordination and data sharing throughout the federal government. The White House said uh, that since 2010, more than 65,000 veterans have died by suicide, a number greater than the total number of deaths during the Vietnam War and the operations in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. The White House said that for more than a decade, the suicide rates have been higher and have risen faster among veterans as compared to non-veterans, uh, with women veterans dying by suicide at, a, at twice the rate uh, than non-veteran women. Veterans, excuse me, veterans ages 18 to 34 having a suicide rate almost three times higher than non-veterans of the same age. The White House warned, warned that young service members are a high, at heightened risk. I've often said that the only one trusted, uh, what happened? <laughs> no, I'm still here. I've often said, I thought I saw something change on the screen. Did you throw something behind me? <laughs> anyway, quote, uh, I've often said there's, uh, we have only one true sacred obligation as Americans to prepare and properly equip our women and men in uniform uh, when we send them into harm's way and to care for their families when they return, President Biden said. Yet for too many who are ser serving or have served, we are falling short. The president said that in an average day, 17 veterans die by suicide right here at home. Through advances in science, medicine, and public health, we have learned a great deal about how to prevent suicide, the president said, adding that we increasingly know that uh, what works, whether it's ensuring that firearms are stored safely, expanded access to suicide hotlines and mental health providers, or sending caring letters to people after a crisis. Quote, dedicated personnel in and out of government have devoted themselves to implementing these interventions, he continued. Anyway, the article goes on, obviously. With a bunch of sad statistics. And, uh, you know, uh, I have one thing to say before I, you know, uh, I don't think it's a national security crisis. <laughs> I think it's a serious issue, but I don't think national security is the way to put it. You know, it's, um, it's scary to me, like how many people I've known that I've served with who have committed suicide. And, uh, especially the, uh, the younger guys that I know who uh, served during Iraq in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, a lot more of them than in my generation. Cause after all, you know, I served 97 to 2001. 
And, you know, it was peacetime. It was peacetime when I was in. I didn't have it bad at all. But, I mean, I still feel a kinship to all my military service brothers and sisters out there. And, you know, it, it's these statistics, this how high it is right now. It's like there's lots of reasons. And, you know, Biden can, because of what happened in Afghanistan, can be blamed for a bunch of them. But, I mean, I think it is a serious issue and it's heartbreaking. And I think about the friends that we've lost. I think I think about the friends that I've almost lost because of this. And it's awful. Anyway. Two more stories. I usually do happier stories, but I, I, I think I've, I'm a little bit of, in a Batman mood. I can make you happy. How are you going to do it? Oh, that's a good looking guy. Is he a fan? Is he in the chat room right now? Should I go to my... He, he pops up. That's a good looking person. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you're going to message those to me, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm kind of in a Batman kind of mood, and so these these stories kind of cheered me up. So get this. Washington dad rescues daughter from sex traffickers. Kills boyfriend he believes sold her for $1,000. That's a Batman shit right there, isn't it? <laughs> he came staring at me when I read the headline. A Spokane, Washington father is accused of killing his daughter's boyfriend, believing he sold her into sex trafficking in Seattle last year. Police say they found a car abandoned in the 1800 block of East Everett Avenue on October 22nd, and a foul odor was emanating from the vehicle. Officers opened the trunk and found human remains inside. While investigating the case, <clears throat> detectives learned that 60-year-old John Eisman Sr. found out his juvenile daughter had been allegedly sold into sex trafficking organization in the Seattle area in October of 2020 for $1,000. Eisenman said his daughter, daughter's 19-year-old boyfriend may have been the one responsible for her sale. He was able to rescue his daughter and get her back to the Spokane area shortly after she was taken, police said. A month later, Eisenman, uh, Eisenman tracked the victim's movements and... I don't know if he's a victim, but I guess he's a victim. All right. Uh, tracked the victim's movements and followed him to a location at Airway Heights in Spokane County, police said. After a confrontation, Eisenman allegedly abducted the boyfriend, identified as Aaron Sorensen, tied him up and put him in the trunk of a vehicle. According to a news release issued by police, Eisenman hit the victim in the head with a cinder block and then stabbed him repeatedly in the abdomen, causing his death. Uh, quote, after the homicide, Eisenman drove the vehicle to a remote area in North Spokane County and abandoned the car with the body still inside. The vehicle remained at that location until it was moved in uh, October 2021 20, by a third party and driven to Spokane. At this point, it is, believe, it is not believed the third party knew the body was in the trunk. The vehicle with the body still in the trunk was abandoned at the Everett Avenue location while parked on Everett. Individuals were rummaging through the car and taking items that they, when they made the gruesome discovery. Spokane police details. Eisenman was taken into custody and charged with first-degree murder. Good. Police said prior to this incident, Eisenman uh, had no recent criminal activity or violent criminal history. <laughs> Nobody messed with his daughter before. <laughs> uh, online, <laughs> online Spokane County Detention uh, Services record his bond is set at one million. That's it. 
<laughs> That's it. <clears throat> Look, I know I said this is kind of a Batman story, but you know, Batman is a vigilante. All right. And vigilante behavior is what this guy did. All right. Uh, it's wrong. You shouldn't. Uh, if you can rescue your daughter, that's awesome. People make movies about that. But if you have to kill the boyfriend, you know, killing the boyfriend, uh, that wasn't really necessary. That's really not on you. I understand, you know, they sold your daughter into slavery, probably sexual slavery. I get it. I really understand that motivation. John Eisenman, Eisenman Sr. I get the motivation. I understand why you did what you did. Uh, there's a little part of me, the secret part of me, that's a little bit happy you did. However, it's illegal. You shouldn't do that. If you can rescue your daughter, I can understand the urgency for you taking action in that. But when it comes to murdering the guy who sold her, uh, that's, that's not really up to you, as far as I'm concerned. That should be for courts. That should be for police. But still, that's badass. <laughs> American badass. No record. Not really been in trouble before. But you messed with his daughter. What do you expect? What do you expect? It's a shame. It's a shame that not more of these people who are sold into slavery these days don't have fathers like that. Because that should bring more attention to it. That, that incident brings more attention to that kind of thing. Which and why legal means should be uh, proceed, you know, more in that case than some guy who probably thinks the cops aren't going to do, you know, bring any justice. Anyway, and by the way, if you're so upset about slavery, Colin Kaepernick, you know, thousand bucks that's cheaper than slaves, even in the you know, 1700s, 1800s, considering. Slaves are cheaper now than they've ever been. If you're worried about slavery, there's slavery today you can worry about. Anyway, last story before we get out of here. Uh, New York City dad fights off armed robbers posing as trick-or-treaters who force entry with an eight-year-old inside. NYPD says the would-be robber said trick-or-treat before the victim answered the door. Duh, that subheadline's stupid. Of course they did. <laughs> you wouldn't be a trick-or-treater if you didn't say trick-or-treat. You know, there's some of those kids that came around trick-or-treating, and they didn't say trick-or-treat. That kind of upset me. I don't care how autistic you are. You need to participate in the world. You need to put your vibes out there. You need to let people hear your voice. That's why when I was went up to Chick-fil-A the other day to get something to eat, I said this... this guy he was seriously like an 18 year old kid but he sounded like a you know 12 year old boy it's like you need to learn how to project sound off like you got a pair anyway in new york city a dad survived a halloween nightmare after fending off a trio of armed robbers who posed as trick-or-treaters and tried to force their way into his home where his eight-year-old son was Counting his candy, I'm sure. The incident, which was caught on video, happened around 10.30 p.m. Don't answer your door that late on Halloween. Anyway, on Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay. Of course, he's from Brooklyn. 
uh, on October 31st. Really? Is that when it happened? New York City Police said. A male and female wearing Halloween costumes and masks knocked on the door at the 37-year-old victim's house and said trick or treat, according to the police. The video shows a man opening his door and giving the two costume individuals candy when the man pulls out his handgun and tries to force his way into the home. Holy cow. While the dad struggled to keep the armed intruder out of his house, the female ran down the stairs and fled the scene eastbound on Austrian Avenue, police said. Maybe, I think maybe she was surprised about it. A second male can be seen on the video running up the stairs and attempting to push his way past the victim. Excuse me. The two male suspects repeatedly punched the dad in the face while trying to force their way inside, according to the police. The dad was eventually able to fight off both men, push them outside, and lock his door. The two men then fled eastbound toward Nostrand Avenue, police said. The following, the inc- <laughs> following the incident, a neighbor told the victim's eight-year-old son that his father is Superman. Did the father, was the father wearing a costume? Was he wearing a costume? The kid was answering a question from a half hour ago. Anyway, quote, I told him that your dad is a hero. Your dad's Superman. He fought off two guys. Missy Haggerty told WNBC TV. Police are continuing to search for the trio. Authorities described the suspects as <laughs> Rick and Morty. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not what the article says. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, as... Uh, Authorities describe the suspect as two dark-skinned males and a light-skinned female. What were, what were their costumes? Yeah, it's just like hoodies and a mask. Hoodies and a scary mask. That's uncreative even for a 10, 12-year-old 10, kid. You know what I'm saying? Just a hoodie. You know, uh, if a kid came to my door and he's just wearing a hoodie and jeans and a, a mask. That's, yeah, that's not a costume, kid. And that's, that's why Smarties exist, okay? That's why you give that kid Smarties, all right? Any kid that looks like they put gave a damn about his costume, you give him the full-size candy bars. You know what I'm saying? That's what needs to happen on Halloween. You know what I'm saying? And since they're coming to your house to extort you, that's what needs to happen on Halloween. You know, it's like the best costume, if a group comes up, it's like kid with the best costume gets a full-size Snickers, everyone else, and the kid that just, you know, put some white paint on his face all right sorry you get smarties since you're extorting me anyway we come to the end of the show i want to remind you to go to our patreon.com slash shock monkey radio become a patient a patron i would appreciate it and i uh, also have a cash app use the cash tag shock monkey radio there you can send me money uh, cash through cash app or something like that just sell out some of your bitcoin you know, it's, it's not real money anyway. And uh, send me it. Hashtag Shock Monkey Radio. Patreon.com slash Shock Monkey Radio. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman, and I love you. <laughs>